the greatest chapter ever written. That's what we're going into today. Good morning, Easter people. We do live in the light of the resurrection, and welcome to worship. Those of you who are here in the sanctuary and those of you who are joining us online, it is a blessing to be able to join together as the family of God. If you happen to be joining for the first time today, I'm Pastor Ann, and I am honored and blessed to serve alongside Pastor Andy here at the Waywood Stock, along with all of you faithful, beautiful people. I tell you, um, it always does my heart good just to be able to look out. You know, the Sundays I don't get to preach, it's like I don't get to see faces, you know, because it's beautiful, beautiful standing up here and looking into your faces. So um, thank you for being my brothers and sisters in Christ. And thank you for being part of this church who are committed to sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Last week, Pastor Andy opened with the, by sharing the letter from uh, the Apostle Paul. He started in the, the first chapter of Romans, and he began this series, which was titled Unashamed. After meeting with the risen Lord on the road to Damascus, Saul, whose name became changed as he was changed, indicating that his change in faith, after his name was changed, he risked his life over and over and over again, preaching the good news of the risen Lord. Andy listed last week for us five reasons that Paul shared that he thought were reasons we should all be unashamed of the gospel and unashamed in sharing our faith with other people. The first reason was because it is indeed good news, right? Amen? It's good news. We can live a different life. We can live with resurrection power. The second reason was it is God's power. That's the reason it's good news. Then it's available to everyone. Everyone. It's out there for everyone to to hear and for everyone to accept. And then it gets people right with God. And the last reason is that it's simple. All it requires is faith faith in Jesus Christ. And as we look at Paul's life and his writings, we too are challenged by his dedication and his faithfulness. Today we're going to be beginning, beginning to look at the chapter of chapter 8 of Romans, and this is Paul's description of the power of Christ's resurrection. By the way, this power that we're going to be talking about today, it's available to every one of us who've asked Jesus into our hearts to lead and guide us. So let's hear the word of God as proclaimed by the, by the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, verses 1 to 11. Hear the word of God. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For whatever the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, dear most gracious God, Father God, Abba, we come to you this morning, Lord, and we ask that you just open our ears and our eyes and our hearts that we might hear more clearly from you what it looks like and how we can live more fully in your spirit. Lord, we just submit ourselves to you. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. The title for today's message is People of the Spirit or People of the Flesh. Now, while the book of Romans can be a little difficult to understand at times because Paul is so excited about what he's sharing that sometimes he just keeps talking and goes on and on and on and on, and his sentences are like what we would normally have as a paragraph. But he's so excited about what he's sharing that he just keeps going. And sometimes that makes it a little more difficult to understand. But it is one of my favorite books in the Bible because Paul is really trying to help us understand the how of our faith. The process that we go through in moving from living in a life, a life of flesh focused on ourselves and satisfying the desires of our flesh to living truly a Christ-centered Christian life. Now, Romans is the gospel according to Paul. It was Paul who thought through the deeper meaning of the Old Testament in light of Calvary and in light of his experience of meeting Jesus of Nazareth face-to-face on the road to Damascus and recognizing him as the risen, ascended, and glorified Lord. The book of Romans is an explanation of the work of God in the human soul. The message grips our minds, it stabs our conscience, it warms our heart, it saves our soul, and it sanctifies our life. Romans is a message sufficient to transform the life of anyone who believes. The gospel call is simple. To trust in Jesus Christ as God's son, as personal savior from our sin. The gospel reveals 
God's righteousness. God is righteous. Man, we are not. We are unrighteous. And righteousness means conformity to the right, that is, to the divine claim of God on man. The gospel also reveals reveals God's wrath. The bad news of human sin and God's wrath comes before the good news of salvation through Christ. God's wrath is revealed because of human ungodliness. We sin against God. God's wrath is revealed because of human unrighteousness. We sin against our fellow man. And God's wrath is revealed because of human unbelief. We will be held accountable by God for certain basic truths. And the deliberate rejection of these truths in unbelief will be judged. Today's scripture is a piece of Paul's explanation of the principles of how the gospel works. I'm going to read those first four verses of chapter 8 again because that's the place where, God, where Paul tells us about the new law, the new law, the law of the Spirit. So listen again to those first four verses. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I just love that very, the way he starts off there. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Having grown up in a church that stressed man's sinfulness and God's judgment on our sinfulness, this statement was huge to me. But there's a very important thing that we must never overlook in that statement. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say God will not, will not condemn sin. We don't ever want to forget that God is holy and he is just. And he can't abide sin. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. If we're in Christ Jesus, we're no longer condemned. We've been justified, made right with God because of the righteousness of Jesus, not because of our own righteousness, because we usually fail there. (laughs) We always fail there without his spirit guiding us. So, but because of what Jesus did, we have been made righteous. If we are in him and he lives in us, The righteousness of Jesus covers us. As we mature in our faith, I also believe that there will be no condemnation within us. As we grow in Jesus' likeness, we become able to not only see things from our own perspective, our own worldly perspective, but we also become able to see things more like Christ sees them. And this frees us 
to live as he lived, with grace and truth, no condemnation, grace with truth. What we do, what we say, and how we treat others is important. And all of these are indicators of whether or not we are in Christ Jesus. Remember in John 15 when Jesus talked about being the vine with us being the branches. The branches are nourished and they grow only when they remain connected to the vine. So we're to abide in him so that he can abide in us and we can grow in his likeness. And as we abide in Jesus, we learn to speak truth in love as he did. I always think back and remember that conversation that Jesus had with the woman that was caught in adultery. And the very last words that he said to to her, he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And we remember that was after all the people that brought her to him had walked away. And her response is, no one, sir. And then Jesus says to her, then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin, truth with grace, with no condemnation. Many times people don't like to be confronted with the truth because it does convict us of sin. But Jesus was not at all shy about speaking truth accompanied with grace. You know, our, our Monday morning Bi- ladies' Bible study, we're looking at the red letters, Jesus' words. And it, when you look at those closely, yes, Jesus is, a, he is full of love and compassion, but he is not shy on truth. He will confront any and every one he comes in contact with, where are your false gods? What are you putting before God? So, How can any of us choose to live another way if we don't know that there's a better way, if we don't know that God's way is better for us? So we are to speak truth with grace. Remember that before we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior and asked him to live in our hearts, we were in bondage to the law of sin and death, and we were living according to our flesh. But if Christ is living in our hearts now, We have the power to live differently, to live by the law of the Spirit. Two words that Paul uses so many times over and over and over throughout the book of Romans are the words flesh and spirit. When he's referring to flesh, he's talking about our our sinful human nature, how we tend to live life on our own terms without God. Remember Galatians 5, 19 to 21 and how it describes the life in flesh. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, lasciviousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. And then Paul goes on and he says, I'm warning you, as I warned those warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then in verses 5 to 8 of today's scripture, they're stressing to us that we must be aware of our mindset and the power we have as Christians to choose. 
And I'm going to read those to you again, that, those verses. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the flesh desires, on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Now, I don't know about you, but my desire is to please God. That is my, my heart's desire, is to live a life that's pleasing to him. He has done so much for me over the course of my life. He has brought some absolutely wonderful people into my life to teach me of his love. He's been with me as I've walked through difficult times in my life, providing strength for the journey. And he's been with me in times of deep loss, providing both comfort and rest. And he's blessed me with times of peace and deep abiding joy. So my desire is to live a life that's pleasing to him. He's given so much for us. As we go about our daily lives, we make choices every single day. But are they conscious choices? Or do we just kind of go through life? Do we ever ask ourselves as we're making these simple choices, what's God doing here in these circumstances? Or what might he be calling us to do? Or do we just react to the situations as they arise? Maybe without even thinking about God. We can walk in the spirit, but we have to be conscious of the choices we're making and our motivation for making them. In verses 9 through 11, Paul tells us, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death through, because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he will, who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. As Christians, we now have the law of the spirit. We have a choice between following the spirit or following our flesh. The word, the Hebrew word for spirit is the same as the word for wind, ruach. It's always had an idea of power as in a mighty rushing wind. And in the Old Testament, it always had the idea of something that was more than human. So Paul's telling us in this section of scripture that there was a time when we were at the mercy of our sinful human nature. But if we have Christ in us, we also have the power of the Spirit of God to live our lives differently. I'm going to pause there for just a minute because I want us to remember that our life of faith is a journey. It's not, you know, we come to Christ and we're just, you know, hunky-dory. Where'd that come from? It means that we are still in process. We are on a journey. 
I think he's rubbing off on me. Yes, hunky-dory, right? It's like, where'd that come from? But, but we are on a journey, and we come to Christ, and we, we accept him into our life, and we know we want to live differently. But it's a journey of growing in his likeness, okay? So we have to consciously choose every day where we are. Are we continuing on our journey, or have we gotten stuck in a mud pit, or have we taken a detour, because we can do that too, But we can now set our minds on the things of the Spirit and have a life of peace and um, have life that's full with peace instead of death. With Christ, we're forgiven of our past sin and we have a new strength that will enable us to live differently, not to continue in our patterns of behavior. Now, right now, today, as well as in the future. Now, Paul's drawing a contrast between these two kinds of life here. One that's dominated by our sinful human nature with its focus on ourself and only fulfilling our desires. By living this way, Paul tells us that a man is standing, is fully, he's making himself fully unfit to ever stand in the presence of our holy God. Living this way shows that we are rejecting and resenting God's law and God's control. But the second way to live is a, is a life that's dominated by the Spirit of God. If we're living a life dominated by the Spirit of God, life is Spirit-controlled, Christ-centered, and God-focused. The Holy Spirit controls our mind, our motives, and our behavior as believers, as long as we are listening to the Holy Spirit. This is a life that is steadily progressing towards God. In the earlier service, we sang the, the, the hymn, We Are Climbing Jacob's Ladder, and that's a song that I'm not really all that fond of, but it was perfect for this sermon because we are every step of the way. We're climbing higher and higher if we're continuing on our journey with God. We are steadily progressing toward God. The final transition of death, then, is only a natural stage from moving this person who's on that journey from this earthly plane into a life eternal in the presence of God. Have you ever wondered if you're really a Christian? Or have you ever wondered if you're living in the Spirit? How do we know? There's some characteristics of people who are living the journey. First, a Christian is a person who has sincerely trusted Christ for salvation and asked Jesus to be both Savior and Lord of their life. A Christian is a person who has the Spirit of God living within them. A Christian is a person who begins to act as Jesus and Christ directs us to act. A Christian is a person who finds help in their daily problems by praying and seeking God's will and his direction. A Christian is a person who's empowered to serve God and do his will. And a Christian is a person who will become a part of God's plan to build up his church. It is God's grace, his prevenient grace that seeks and calls us, his justifying grace 
that forgives us and cleanses us, his sanctifying grace that grows us in the likeness of Christ and with our acceptance of his grace empowers us to live a different life as described in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. It is the same power that is available to us today that transformed Jesus' disciples on Pentecost from people of the flesh who were hiding behind locked doors into people of the Spirit who went boldly into the streets proclaiming the good news of Jesus and his resurrection and who continued to go boldly into the streets and proclaim the good news even when they face persecution. So how will we choose to live every day of our lives from this day forward as people of the Spirit with our focus constantly on Jesus or as people of the flesh with our focus on ourselves? We have the power to choose every minute of every day. Empowered by his spirit, may we choose to keep our focus on Jesus. And may we always remember his words from the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Let us pray. Dear most gracious God, we go through our days sometimes, Lord, without even thinking about what you would have us do. Sometimes we do, but there are other times when we just caught up, get caught up in living life and we do it the way we would do it without you, just doing what we think is the next thing for us to do. But Lord, we know that you are with us always. And I believe that you are always trying to reveal yourselves to us in the things that are going on around us. So Lord, from this day forward, may we all seek to see you in the circumstances that we're dealing with. May we all seek to listen, to quieten ourselves long enough to listen to hear your leading. And Lord, may we please you in our doing so. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. In just a few minutes, we're going to be celebrating Holy Communion together. But before we do that, there may be somebody sitting with us today who maybe has never really invited Jesus in to ask him to be their Lord and Savior, to forgive them of their sin. There may be some of you who've accepted Jesus as Savior, but you've come to realize that you want to invite him to be Lord of your life from this day forward. Or there may be some of you who just would like to recommit to living with Jesus as your Lord and Savior from this day forward. 
If you fall into any of these categories, we want to give you an opportunity today to come to the altar and receive prayer. Pastor Andy's going to join me up here in just a few minutes, and the, we're going to have some music in the, in the background. And um, we'd like to invite you, if you're in any one of those places, that you would like more of Jesus, and you would like his spirit to lead God and direct you in a more conscious way, then feel free as you're led to come to the, to the altar.